We'll start the recording and we'll um, settle in for a practice to help us arrive before we share uh, verbal dharma. So checking out what posture is supportive for you now, remembering there's four postures for practice. If you're tired, you might need to practice standing for a little while. If your body's achy, you might need to practice reclining. And uh, so um, when I remember, we're just doing the chanting in the morning, uh, so we won't be doing that right now. But as you're settling into your posture, you could just guide yourself into, you don't need to have them uh, remembered, but just feeling the recollection of those intentions. The recollection of the feeling of refuge. And some of us were, we were just chatting um, and signaling to each other this sense of community that's already growing as we log in and recognize each other, see familiar faces. So we take refuge in this feeling of community of like-hearted, like-minded beings. And we rest into the refuge, the, the sanctuary of the teachings, the Dharma. refuge and rest into, find sanctuary in the inspiration of Buddha, which means awakened one, and the possibility, the very real possibility that that is available also for us. Notice what speech happens in your mind when you hear that that is possible for you. Is there a harsh speech that says, mm, I don't think so? So feel this sense of safety together from these five precepts that we've been chanting in the morning or hearing. 
this sense of we're all coming with the intention to not cause each other harm to be kind and skillful in our actions our words taking a few moments just for your own personal uh, felt experience, reflections, intentions that might not be part of what we chant in the morning but are things that uh, really support you being skillful in the world. these intentions, inclinations of our heart-mind uh, settle, settle down around you as if creating a sanctuary, a, a home that you're abiding in in this present moment. Or it might feel like those intentions land in a place in your body around you or a place in the body. refuge in present moment body embodied awareness so now paying a little more attention to the sensations of the body here and now touch of contact and ground texture temperature movements tingling perhaps we noticed this morning that mind is often very often in past or future the body is always right here
and as we've been practicing choosing an anchor for yourself you could be just staying with this wider field of the whole body as it sits different sensations arising and passing or you could choose more of a single pointed anchor in sensation the touch of feet perhaps or hands or something else or the breath as a sensation include noticing when awareness on its own it notices at some point awareness becomes aware that the attention is not on the anchor you chose and in that moment rather than hurrying back or adding any uh, commentary about that or harshness See if you can just notice a gentle sense of a little bit of the content of the thoughts or the, the inner speech.
perhaps sometimes there's an opportunity to notice is it true is it kind even though it's just inner speech are we being harsh with our inner speech or false with our inner speech Lastly, don't try too hard to think about the thinking. <laughs> Just if the noticing is easily accessible, sometimes you might be able to catch a little bit of a flavor. And then that's fine, but don't um, spend a lot of energy trying to think about thinking. Just come back to the body beginning again gently continuing in this way now on your own feeling the support of each other
the awareness of inner speech is creating tension or too much effort or confusion. Just let it go and come back to the awareness of the body, touch points or breath. And in these last few minutes, returning to and cultivating what is true and what is kind and beneficial, feeling the body in present moment, and silently repeating these heart intentions, these deepest wishes for your own being. May I be happy and peaceful. May I be safe and protected. May I be well in body and mind. May I take care of myself easily and happily.
and may I accept myself completely and unconditionally however I am in this present moment may I be happy and peaceful may I be safe and protected May I be well in body and mind. May I take care of myself easily and happily. May I accept myself completely and unconditionally in this present moment. So, <laughs> the second pillar of the Dhamma is called Sila, and um, in particular, uh, it has several aspects. Um, uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about talk about another uh, talk more about the precepts part of sila which is what we've been chanting in the morning those five precepts so we'll talk a bit more about um, that aspect of sila and then the part of sila virtue ethics that we're going to talk about um, that we started this morning and are talking more about tonight uh, is part of what's called the eightfold noble path and so I'll just give a little context to that because in these short talks they've just kind of been dropping references without really ex filling it out which may be uh, confusing so um, when the man Siddhartha Gautama uh, became enlightened awakened then this, he was given this name as as others who have been awakened would be called 
a Buddha, meaning awakened one. And so what the primary summary of the that awakening was awakening to what's called the Four Noble Truths. The Four Noble Truths, in very brief, <laughs> um, are that the first truth, the first um, ennobling or noble insight that he saw was that part of this life experience, part of being a human is that we experience suffering, meaning we experience, uh, he broke it down like this, aging, sickness, death, pain, lamentation, sorrow, and grief, not uh, well, now I'm, this is a paraphrasing, I don't have the exact words right in the moment, um, but basically not being able to get rid of what you don't want and not being able to keep what you do want. So being separated from what is agreeable is how it's officially worded, I think. Um, and so he did not say that all of life is pain, all of life is suffering, but part of this human experience for all of us is that we will experience these losses and grief and change in ways that we cannot control. We can't keep what we want and who we want and how we want things to be, including our own self. <laughs> and. Um, we can't, we aren't in control of getting rid of what is unpleasant and painful. So that was the first realization is that, yeah, this is, this is part of the deal here. This is what it's like to be in, in this, in this experience of humanness. The second noble truth in very brief is that, um, there is a, cause for that suffering. So seeing that everything is a conditioned arising and there's a cause for all of the suffering and it, the cause isn't so-and-so and what they did and who's in government and the cause isn't the weather and the cause isn't the in-laws. The cause isn't all the external things that we like to put uh, a finger on and point to, the, the cause is clinging. Holding on to what we want, and th the same can be said for pushing away. When we're pushing something away, it's a, just another form of clinging. Holding on to aversion or trying to get, trying to control, that's what causes us the most pain we're still going to experience uh, the pain of, of loss and aging and sickness, etc. Um, but there's something called the dukkha of dukkha, the pain of pain, where we add the extra grief, the extra, extra layers of suffering on top of these natural occurrences.
So the third noble truth is um, seeing that there was a cause for suffering, a condition that gives rise to it means that there can also be the ending of suffering. So if something is of the nature to arise, it's also of the nature to pass. If something has a cause or uh, factors that cause it to arise, we could remove that cause and not have suffering. So the third noble truth is that it is possible for this, it's called Dukkha, D-U-K-K-H-A, uh, which in short I'm calling suffering in right now, but it's much more than, than that. It's, it's really not a good translation, but for the purposes right now, it's okay. The fourth noble truth is the way, the path, the practices to the ending of suffering. And that's called the eightfold path or the middle path you may have heard the middle path um, yeah so the fourth noble truth is the way to the ending of suffering the practices and all of that okay so <laughs> back to sila ethics values in that eightfold noble path I hope, it's in, I hope I'm not making this confusing. <laughs> in the Eightfold Path, it's broken into kind of three groupings or baskets, it's sometimes called. Those, that, that way to the ending of suffering is grouped into three groupings. One of the groupings is the Wisdom Group. Another group is the concentration grouping. And in the middle there is the sila grouping, which is what we're talking about right now. And it includes, oh, I feel like this is getting confusing. It includes right speech, right action, and right livelihood. Okay, so the other bits, just let them go. That's just the context of what we're talking about right now, which is sila, three parts, which include right or wise speech, right or wise action, and right or wise livelihood. So in the word in Pali, doesn't matter, is sama, and it's translated as right, but it doesn't not like how we think of right like I'm right and you're wrong <laughs> right and wrong it means right as in wise as in skillful wholesome conducive to freedom to liberation to awakening okay so that's just a little bit of context about what this sila is that we're talking about today I'm not going to go, right action is what we're going to talk about tomorrow, right livelihood, probably not going to talk about it. <laughs> so right speech is extremely important and uh, that's what we're going to, what we've been exploring today. Okay, so what is right speech? Any questions about that part so far? Uh, it's you know, if it's all really new to you, mostly let it go. <laughs> okay. 
it's just you know the more you hear this the more it'll be like oh yeah i've heard that before four noble truths and it just starts to become more familiar but it you don't need to remember all that or know that context in order to practice and find a lot of peace and freedom by practicing wise speech okay so wise speech includes four things and they're at most often they're framed in the negative and then we'll talk about in the positive so it means abstaining from or not lying <laughs> abstaining from lying and then secondly abstaining from what's called divisive speech speech that divides people that uh, creates em enmity well creates fights that's easier to say <laughs> creates a uh, us and them, you know, divisive. Uh, the third one is abstaining from abusive speech or harsh speech, cruel, harmful. And the fourth one <laughs> is abstaining from idle chatter, aka gossip, or just it's more than just gossip it's also just like speech without much purpose yeah you know and we we had a lovely visit today at at the at the lunch break those that were able to make it and and apologies for sharing that for folks that weren't able to be there and wish they could be there but it was really lovely <laughs> um but i just want to say something about this one idle chatter like um you know we we just we just chatted about our backgrounds where we live the weather what we're eating what we're doing later today um but it 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 wasn't uh, fruitless chatter because it was heart connections and getting to know each other and caring for each other and curious about each other and um, finding connections and interests amongst each other you know so it might sometimes you know look like oh is that idle chatter but you know if it's there's a difference is what I'm saying um, and you, you can explore that so those are the right speech talked about in the negative basically that's wrong speech so then right speech or wise speech um, is you know we can just flip these is what is spoken in truth what is true truthful and then what is beneficial so instead of harmful it's beneficial uh, and then instead of abusive speech it would be what is kind and um, spoken with a mind of goodwill what's spoken affectionately kind with kindness 
And, and the last one, idle chatter, reframed in the positive would be speech that is spoken at the right time. The right time. Is it the right time? Hmm. There is so much to say about right speech that it's... We'll see where this where this goes. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Let's do this part. Oh, there's just so much good stuff to say about right speech. <sighs> and, and, okay. Here. So, there's lots of different ways to the path and on the path, that eightfold path, the way to awakening. Not everybody's energy, body, heart, mind, constitution is suited to sitting still for long periods of silent meditation. And so then they might think, oh, meditation's not for me. And I would say, why don't you just practice right speech? <laughs> If we all, you know, we all talk all day, every day. And you've noticed today, even in isolation, and we're not talking with other people necessarily, it never stops. The inner chatter does not stop. And, you know, and then, if, and then are we chatting on our devices and emails and all the social media stuff? So... If we took up some of these practices, it could change the world. The more people that practice right speech, if you just take wise speech as your practice, it's transformative completely. Um, yeah. Joseph Goldstein, who is um, a well-loved and well-known teacher, says that um, when we have the interest and alertness to look at it, we see that speech is a mirror of our minds. Oh, that's an unpleasant thought. <laughs> speech is a mirror of our minds. Whoa. That's like, have you ever thought, sometimes I imagine my thoughts being written across the sky, like one of those planes that, you know, that flies a banner or does the sky writing or something. It's like, whoa, no, no, no. I don't want anyone else to know this inner speech, right? And and because that speech is a mirror and, and it's uh, sometimes pretty... Um, harmful or as I was saying this morning untrue definitely um, yeah and so it's to practice deeply with wise speech is really to show us where we're where we're caught what I mentioned the clashes greed hatred and delusion you know it shows us the flavor of our habit of our conditioning yeah 
And, uh, you know, we can think like speech, you know, maybe actions are, are more important or more dangerous or more important to look at. But I would say, and um, we have all experienced, and some people a lot more than others, how speech words, whether written or spoken, can cut like a knife. And we, we've been living in this, uh, this time of severe uh, cruelty with language, with words, and, and, and severe uh, untruth, like false news, like what is, what is true anymore, right? Um, Bhikkhu Bodhi said that speech can break lives, create enemies, and start wars. We've seen this, right? Or it can give wisdom, heal divisions, and create peace. Right? Speech can break lives, create enemies, and start wars. Or it can give wisdom, heal divisions, and create peace. And in the suttas, that's a word that means the teachings of the Buddha that were are written down in our texts and books. Uh, it's, are called suttas, and um, the Buddha, reportedly, as as is written, um, said that every person is born with an axe in their mouth. An axe in their mouth. A fool who uses abusive language cuts themselves and the other with that axe. That's a nice wake-up call. That one, right? You know we. With cruel speech, we can see, and maybe we intend, and we can feel how it's harmful to someone else. And at the same time, that axe is in our mouth, and it's also harming us. Mm. Yeah, we've all been on both ends of that axe. Um, Bhante Gunaratana tells this story of um, the story of a dog and uh, <laughs> well I'll just read it it's just a paragraph he says my grand nephew has a great Alaskan husky named Taurus Taurus is fascinated by the animals on television. He even tries to bite them. Because he is so large, Alaskan Husky, he's so large, when Taurus is attracted to what he sees on the screen, he blocks the view of the people sitting behind him, right? And one day, a member of my grandnephew's family ordered Taurus to get out of the way and her tone of voice was excessively hard and stern. The dog reacted by going down to the basement. For a week, Taurus stayed down there, refusing to come out even to eat. 
He emerged only occasionally to go outside and relieve himself. Then he went right back downstairs. Finally, the family had to go and plead with him using sweet words in affectionate tones before Taurus rejoined them. The soft words of my grandnephew's family won back the companionship of their beloved pet, he says. And um, so he's sharing this story to, to point out that harsh tone and harsh words have that kind of effect on an animal companion and so we know what it does to children and to ourselves and to each other maybe we get a little more armored or protected or don't let it show so much but we 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 all feel ourselves being um, yeah needing to run to the basement to be safe okay let's check out what else is important here <laughs> so much so much All right. Uh. All right. This is also from the suttas from the Buddha. kind of has um, it's, it, these are written in a kind of a wordy way but there's important parts here that I'll, I'm just going to say a bit of it there is the case where a certain person abandoning false speech abstaining from false speech so that when they have been called to a town meeting a group meeting a gathering of their relatives their guild or of the royalty if they are asked as a witness, come and tell good person what you know. If they don't know, they say, I don't know. It's <laughs> a good one. And if they do know, they say, I know. If they haven't seen, they say, I haven't seen. If they have seen, they say, I have seen. Thus, they don't consciously tell a lie for their own sake, for the sake of another, or for the sake of any reward. Abandoning false speech, they abstain from false speech. They speak the truth, hold to the truth. Firm, reliable, no deceiver of the world. And it goes through each of these other aspects of divisive speech, and abusive speech and um, idle chatter but I, I I like the way that's worded because it's like how often how often and some of us make a practice of it and you know do this but uh, and 
maybe it's something to also reflect on a little bit to how often do we say I don't know I wasn't there I didn't see like how often are we passing on something we've heard or bits of information or someone else's opinion or hearsay or um, yeah it's a great practice I don't know I don't know or I don't know, let me check it out. I don't know, let me get back to you. I don't know, let me think about it. It's good practice. Okay, last thing I want to point out about right speech, and then we'll have some discussion. Oh, this one's this one's complicated. So just before this gathering, I made a little infographic. Hey, let's see if that works. Okay, one sec. Let me see if I can do this. We'll try. I don't know how well it'll show up. Oh, my, oh yeah, I do have screen share. Okay, here it is. There it is. Share. Now, how do I make it bigger? Oh, right over here. Woo! Too big. Come back, come back. All right. So this is trying to simplify a little bit something that is very complex in how it's written, for my mind anyways, and if you're a visual learner, maybe this is helpful. Okay, so um, before you speak, consider if it is untrue. To, to the right there in red, it says, if it's untrue, you follow the arrow, don't speak. <laughs> now, if you go to the other side, before you speak, consider if it's true. Okay, so then you're not there yet. Just because it's true, you have to go on. So, if it's true, then you have to consider, is it beneficial or unbeneficial? You know? Just because it's true, it's not necessarily beneficial. So it just takes reflection there. Is it going to be a benefit for me to say this? So if it's considered unbeneficial, don't speak. If it's true and beneficial, we still have some more steps. <laughs> okay, so now we're following the blue circles here. I'll, I'll go to the top again. Before you speak, consider if it is true. Yeah, I think it's true. Pretty sure it's true. Do I know it's true? Uh -huh. Okay, so I think it's true. I think it's going to be beneficial for me to say this. It's going to help them to hear this. All right. Now, accepted and not accepted in in the in the text this is worded as um is it endearing and agreeable so <laughs> something can be true and beneficial but people don't want to hear it <laughs> it's not accepted it's not agreeable it's not endearing so then you really need to go to the purple circle there, reflect. 
wait for the right time or don't speak. If it's something that we think is true and beneficial, but it's really not accepted, not agreeable, then we need to reflect and wait for the right time. Or sometimes don't speak. Waiting for the right time is really important. And, and then if it's true, beneficial, and accepted, or agreeable and endearing, then the Buddha says, um, then one uh, speaks, says something. That is a little breakdown of um, a pretty complex series of reflections. And for each one of these, I mean, we could spend so much time talking about these. For each one of these, it'd be really great to come up with an example of it's so, you know, maybe that's something you'll do some more reflecting on for each sequence. Try to think of an example of of uh, something that is, you know, that we we think is true. And it's like, mm, is it really true or is it just true in my mind? And how do we discern what's beneficial? Okay, th now <laughs> this uh, leads me to maybe the last bit I'll say. Maybe. Maybe she said. Uh, I've got so many different bits here. Okay. Uh, this. <laughs> Oh, gosh. There's so much harm being done with our with words and actions. And in particular, um, racism. Um, and so how does this relate to our understanding and practice of Dharma and wise speech. So there's an anti-racist educator named Ali Henney and she says it this way in particular uh, in particular for white folks. Yes, when you see racist stuff happening, please do speak out. But you don't know everything about race and racism just because you decided to join the fight four days ago, she says. 
Deciding that you want to be anti-racist doesn't make you qualified to speak on the subject. You need to listen and learn from the folks who are living this every day. The key, she says, is to speak out, not speak over. Speak up when your skin folk, other white folk in particular, are doing wrong, but don't speak over people of color who are saying the same thing. Um, and then the question in response is, but how will I know when I'm speaking over people? And she says, if you are placing yourself as an expert on race and not listening to and learning from black, brown and indigenous people and people of color, you are talking over us. If you take over and monopolize conversations that people of color are supposed to be part of or even leading, and this happens all the time, you're speaking over us. If you try to tell us what we have lived, you are speaking over us. So I'm bringing this up because it's related to true, beneficial, and uh, at times dis disagreeable, right? People don't want to be called in on um, their privilege and abuses that are happening. And so we need to be really skillful at that place. Pause, consider, is it the right time? Is it the right intention? Am I um, speaking out and not speaking over? There's a lot, there's so much to practice here. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think that's it. Hafiz said, the words you speak become the house you live in. I'll leave it at that. All right. So, um, I would mostly love to hear what your experience was today with practicing with wise speech and right speech and um, paying attention to our inner speech. Uh, did anything show up for anyone that um, yeah so I'm just reading uh, in the chat here Helena thank you for sharing this I've been taught in another context not in Sangha to ask myself these questions before speaking is it true is it kind? Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said now? And does it need to be said by me? Hmm. Yeah. And that's an interesting one, that last one. Does it need to be said by me? It's good to reflect on that. And encouragement because of uh, spiritual bypassing and, and white silence that we often, um, just in the context of what I was sharing a few minutes ago, we're often like, oh, someone else will 
speak up about it someone else you know I don't want to get it wrong or I don't want to whatever all the all that stuff and um, so mm, that's a great one to inquire does it need to be said by me maybe encouragement you know to step into that and just uh, practice practice with that okay I said I would stop talking and then I kept talking <laughs> so um, you know the chat thing you can raise your hand or put something um, yeah there Supriya's put it in the chat for us feel free to raise your hand unmute yourself when you're ready to make your comment or ask your question yeah so Supriya if you could just call on people then then um, you're better at keeping track of it than I am okay um, Gary, do you have your hand up? Do you have a question or a comment? Please, if you do, you can unmute yourself. Yes, I think I'm unmuted now. Thank you, you are. Yes, sorry, I'm sort of in the dark now. It's, I need more light next time. <laughs> I really wanted to comment mostly on the format of the, the retreat. Like I'm really appreciating the format, how it started with a full day Sunday and then the the morning starts with establishing the theme and then it's like the day is is like a, a time of practicing and then it's um extended in the evening and then kind of wrapped up and versus um retreats i've had which run you start at nine or ten and then end up at five o'clock in the afternoon run through the day but I feel with those that, that when it stops at four or five, I'm just sort of dropped and you have the whole evening. Um, the continuity just sort of ends for me. Yeah. I, I just find this format is just really appealing to me because yeah. you're sort of um, involved with it the whole day yeah. and you're supported the whole day. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just, I, I really like it. Oh, thank you, Gary. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great, great form as well. I found it beneficial. It feels to me like things just like I'm stewing in it all day, really yeah. per percolating with the theme yeah. instead of just like moving on to the next thing. Thanks. Yeah. So, Andrew, feel free to ask your question or comment. Oh, oh, that wasn't a, that was a clap. Sorry, Andrew. Oh. <laughs> a clap, <laughs> not a comment or not a question. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Here we go, Sheila. Please feel free to uh, unmute yourself. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I noticed this was a really um, challenging uh, practice for me today and probably a really good one um, because there was a couple of situations happened where I found I had a lot of resentment coming up. <clears throat> and so sitting and wanting to say something, like big time, right? And having to, you know, bringing myself back and trying to sit with, is it true what I wanted to say? And also the is it helpful one because that became really, I mean, in some ways seemed very complex to me because it certainly felt in the moment it'd be very helpful to say something <laughs> for me. 
<laughs> and and then I had to reflect. But is it helpful to this situation? Uh, and is it you know? And what is helpful here? Um, so I just yeah. And it it just got me thinking a lot about the whole um, question of uh, for me of resentment, which and speech and or and how because I think sometimes resentment has built for me uh, with certain situations or people where I haven't spoken when I had something that was important to say. Um, and so now trying to sort through the past resentment and what is right what is helpful or not helpful now it just it was really yeah it was there was a lot coming up for me around it uh it's, that's that's so great Sheila <laughs> because you're, it's so complex it's so and complex it's so amazing that you took the time to reflect on it and feel the complexity of it and the strong impulse to just go with it you know like it's you know we've got deep deep grooves and habits to just oh, react yeah. and respond oh, yeah. and get it off our chest get rid of that strong sensation and it's really really deep and wise reflections and and it's helpful to see maybe it's not so urgent you know like yeah I could wait and even like you said resentments it can be quite mm -hmm. historical you know it's a uh, it's amazing mm -hmm. how you know we can write a letter or revisit old conversations and find healing like it doesn't have to be necessarily right then mm -hmm. wow yeah and and that that urge as you say to act but but there also can be i think for me anyway another urge which is to not speak to just and not acknowledge what i'm feeling which then can surface later as resentment. So I trying guess. trying to find that 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 middle way, I guess, of neither reacting yeah. in the moment nor just suppressing, and yeah. then and then you know, and then finding as I was not speaking it, I could it was it was happening a lot in my thoughts, right? Like there was oh yeah, a lot, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> All through the all through the evening sit just okay. <laughs> you know. yeah. so it was just really interesting. It was not pleasant, but it was very interesting too. Mm -hmm. with that. Excellent. Mm. Wow. Does anybody find it confusing when I would say it's not true? Like when we're listening to our inner dialogue, inner voice and like I was wondering if I should clarify that a little bit, because what I mean when I say that, it's not necessarily that it's not true, but in that moment it's not true, which is like what Sheila was just describing of like, I'm having a conversation, imagining a conversation or something that has happened and going over it, it sounded like you were describing that. Um, and so in that pr present moment where I'm sitting and meditating, I'm like, is this true right now? No, I'm not actually having this conversation right now. So that's what I mean when I say, oh, it's not true. And when I see that, when I just name it as, hmm, it's not, that's not happening right now. This is a fabrication. It has the opportunity to let go. And then you have to let go again and again and again and again. And then it starts to um, be less sticky. Yeah. 
So thanks to Kathy. Uh, thank you, Kathy, for uh, noticing that Shannon had her hand up a while back. So I missed you, Shannon. I'm sorry. Um, so you can if, feel free to unmute, and then it will be Andrew and then Helena. Thanks. Um, so one of the things that came up for me as part of uh, practicing right speech today was a little bit around, um, I, I feel like that's a practice that, um, a, a skill that I'm building, it's it's one that I, I, I practice already. Um, and, and also, um, what came up was was similar to yesterday's practice of generosity. The idea that I could I could flip that a bit on its head and practice um, skillful speech to, toward myself, which is which is really where it's probably most beneficial for me right now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess what I really appreciated during this evening's sit was was um, that invitation almost to to hear the whisper of of what or the tone or get get a, a an inclination because um, thoughts are for me very slippery and so then they're they're up and gone before I even have a sense of what what it is that has occurred and and I'm just left with the the residual emotional impact <laughs> um, so so I I. I feel like that's a, a powerful practice that I think I'll, I'll take with me of, of during a sit to even, even not, not chase the thoughts, but, but, but just open up to um, maybe the tone, the flavor, the something yeah. um, to, to hopefully start um, building right speech in, in, in the coconut. <laughs> in the coconut. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. It's like metta practice, loving kindness. So another one of the meditation practices that we do often is a loving kindness meditation. We ended the practice tonight with a little bit of the, those metta phrases. And it's, you know, as, as Shannon is pointing out, it begins with ourselves. I mean, if I'm talking trash to myself all the time, obviously that's how it's going to roll with others. It has to begin here. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it, it's interesting even to sit sit with that. You, you know, I, I feel like my practice of right speech is very a restrained kind of like I really take a lot of time reflecting and choosing language very carefully. Mm. Um, and in part because uh, because I, I recognize you know the Joseph Goldstein the 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 mirror um, uh, mm -hmm. you know effect mm. um, and, and yeah I, I think if if only I could slow down my thoughts <laughs> enough to be able to choose as carefully and wisely the the words that i that i impart on myself <laughs> so if you've got if you've got a trick for that one jill <laughs> do you practice um much meta for self do you do that no. yeah um 
I think everything being a conditioned arising that and we see that there's causes and endings that just keep practicing and keep condition causing different conditions so that each time with any of our grooves grooves I mean like our habits every time we meet it and don't jump in the hole every time we meet the groove the sticky part of our habit and you know don't get all up in it and tangled in it and feeding it and yes it is true I'm blah, blah, blah. it's it's uh, okay it's like a it's like a, a groove it's like filling it with a little layer of putty every time you don't react you're you actually lessen the groove so that eventually it stops being a groove and at the same time you're cultivating a skillful groove like may I be safe and peaceful may I be well may I be happy the metta practice so we're, we're not feeding the unskillful and we are uh, fueling and promoting and reinforcing what is skillful and you know you might feel like eh, it's not changing fast enough but I have absolute faith that it is and just keep going it does it, it yeah Thanks. Hmm. Okay. Um, Andrew feel free to unmute yourself and ask your question or comment oh, I'm already unmuted um, yeah, I just wanted to, 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 to comment. Uh, I think before there is a thought, I mean, there's something else. There's thought is a form. It's, it's, the, it's the, our conscious creating a form, according to Edgar Tolley. Um, and I think just before that thought arrives, that is part of our emotional intelligence. It's an emotion, it's movement. There's something happening that allows us to go into, to, to, to formulate what we know as a thought. Mm. Um, so I think, you wanna say something? Um, it, it, so if I can just refer to the Eightfold Path, cause that's the context that is, so you're absolutely, I absolutely agree that before speech, there is something before that, and that's intention, what we would call intention, wise intention, right intention, and right view. And those are the other parts of the Eightfold Path that are before the speech and the action. And before all that is volition or intention. Yeah. But in relation to... to the choice to react or not react. Um, something that I noticed like on my walk this afternoon, and I'm, I mean, I've noticed it before as well, this whole period of the pandemic with, with us hiding behind masks and everything, I have noticed in, even in my own neighborhood that people has, have given themselves the permission to not respond to others. Mm. I think it's a fear, I, I understand that. Um, we're walking on the same street and immediately yeah. we separate onto other side, each on the opposite sides of the street. Mm. Say good morning to someone. And before people would have been a little bit uncomfortable if they didn't know you, but they would say hello. 
I have noticed that people just decide that they won't. Um, and I mean, I say hello, even if I don't know the person, I cross, I, I acknowledge that you are in my presence. Hello. Yeah. Good. And they don't. The tendency to want to react to that and to reject that person, mm. that is where my practice today is, well, I don't have to. I can choose to simply be kind still. Yes, good. I don't have to respond. I don't have to push you away. I don't have to, you know, you were there. I acknowledge that, okay, you did not respond in, to, to me, but that's okay. That's fine. I am not going to let that, in one, one sense, I'm not going to let that change my spirit. But that at the really same time, I would let my spirit maybe leave you something. Yes, it reminds me of what we were talking about yesterday, Andrew, of Donna, generosity that we offer the gifts you know like and ebony was speaking of this yesterday of you know the smiling and saying hello like you're talking about and sometimes people really respond and receive it and sometimes people are shut down and in fear and it's offering the loving compassion relating and letting go of the outcome not it's not it's not it's not a what's the word conditional is that the word or there's another word it's not a transactional yeah you know you're you just keep offering your heart offering and trust that it does have an effect they may still be down you know grumpy but then we don't know like down the next block they might feel a little heartened we don't know the outcome that ripple effect yeah maybe they would say hello to someone else right <laughs> they might feel a little bit uplifted they're seen yeah good good practice thank you Okay, uh, last last comment, uh, Leslie? Um, actually, uh, oh. Helena was had her hand up and then she put it down, but she still was next. So is it possible to have both? Um, if people, yeah, l l did you want to s say something, Helena? No, really, it's okay. It's too complicated. <laughs> oh, a good one, eh? Oh, no, 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 no. It's fine. Go ahead, Leslie. Okay. I just wanted to share that for the last two days, I've been uh, facilitating performance reviews at, at work, uh, discussion discussions uh, amongst the management team. And it just uh, I just wanted to share a positive reflection that I realized as we were talking tonight that I had a beautiful opportunity to see a right speech um, cultivated within a management team with intention. Uh, to 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 have delicate um, uh, sensitive conversations with each other, give each other feedback, um, dealing with power imbalance as well in, within a group, and just and and it 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 made me feel really good to see how how um, that could be cultivated in community over a period of time, and to think to reflect back on where that group of people was when they first started doing this three years ago and how far they've come in terms wow. of embodying their intentions and how that was, um, you know, reinforced by restating the intentions frequently and also putting the, the right supports in place to, to facilitate that happening. So right. I to share that. Oh, that's very inspiring and hopeful note to end on. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's, that gives us hope. Hmm. Um, yeah, and, um, 
So I wanted to offer um, again. It was so it was so lovely to to visit at at lunch um, today and to get to know each other a, a little bit more differently and to uh, to practice uh, skillful chatting. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm I'm available to do that again tomorrow. If um, yeah, so I think I'll just say that I'll be there. Uh, I'll check in at noon, and if you're able to, I'm sorry for folks if it's a, the time change um, makes it difficult. But even if it's not like a meal time for you, you can just come by with a with a cuppa and have a visit. Um, yeah, so if you if you want to join us again tomorrow, I will be I will be hanging out here for a bit. If nobody comes, I uh, uh, probably won't spend a whole hour sitting in front of the computer to eat, but I'll be here for a while, and um, maybe some of you will be able to join. Uh, awesome! You can see, like this is just a this is a huge, huge, huge area. And like I said, this could be your practice. Just take on this one aspect and even just one part of it. Like just, oh, is it beneficial? Is it like, there's just so much. Um, and we have begun. We're doing, we're doing well. Uh, so just to honor our time, uh, we'll just uh, end with an offering of merit. So may our heartfelt practice, our deepest intentions to be skillful and kind and agents of safety and compassion in the world, may the, the energy, the merit, the punya of all of our practice and the practice of all those around the world in many traditions and through time and our ancestors that have taught us these ways and are creating a force, a much needed force of love and care. May the merits of our practice be for the liberation of all beings everywhere. Thank you so much. You're all just so dear and wise and I'm so much appreciate you showing up and sharing your practice um it's an honor see you in the morning yay uh, nice heart andrew sweet all right see you in the morning
go. Should we turn the recording off? Yeah. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.